the galaxy is burning. Brother fights brother, and treason splits the Imperium of Man. This is the Horus Heresy. Whether you're a warrior of the Legionis Astartes, an adherent of the Mechanicum, or a brave mortal in a galaxy of madness, you'll find a home here. Welcome to the Remembrancer's Retreat, coming to you from within the depths of the Vengeful Spirit. Hey folks, what's going on? Today we got a pretty awesome episode. Um, It's February 4th, Super Bowl Day, and the last day of Horse Heresy Weekender, which is what we really care about. Nobody cares about football here. We all love that Horse Heresy stuff. Um, And we had a huge weekend, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Fuck yeah, man. Possibly the best week ever. Yeah, I would say it's it's up there. I mean, uh, the just the most stuff I feel um, was just teased and released on the same day. Like we got so many like upgrade kits for Custodes and Valdor and the Shield Captain, and then we had all of Malevolence and uh, Titan Death and all the Necromunda stuff, which are awesome models. Plus, you know, all the new models that we weren't expecting, you know? I mean, I knew it was going to be big when they pre-released the Dorn model, like even before the Weekender. And I was like, oh, dude, if if fucking they're, they're releasing Dorn before the Weekender, the Weekender is just going to be mind-blowing. Yeah, right? Like, if, if Dorn is so, like, swept under the rug, like, we can show him before the event because we've got so much other shit that's going to make them blow, like, blow their minds, you know? Um, I knew it was going to be, I knew it was going to be a big release when, like, the whole month leading up to it was, like, new doors and, you know, the releases were, like, not, yeah. not really that great. But I was like, man, they are saving it. I was like, this weekend is going to be great. And then when Dorn released, I was like, wait, is the weekend of the day? There's no way. If you had any, if you had any doubts about like the capacity of Forge World to continue on its uh, production arc and and uh, fill all the the wants and desires that you had, like this weekender left no doubts in my mind. Like Andy Hoare is clearly at the helm of Forge World. Um, I think Forge World is fucking firing on uh, all fronts, and I'm just super psyched at what I'm seeing, man. Super happy for the future. 2000. All right, guys, we're back. Um, Patty was, like, doing a bicycle kick against the wall, so I had to uh, tell her to stop. What is wrong with that behavior? I don't understand. I don't she know. Was the first, she was the first man in a four-man stack. They were that was breaching. It. She was yeah. just like. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so sorry to interrupt, guys. But we're back, and let's get back on this weekender hype. First off, this is our regular episode. All right, so we're gonna have worth a buy with Rob. We're gonna be doing a little bit of uh, uh, Heresy Grad School with Jason. We'll be doing what we've been up to. Um, and then we're going to have like free flow conversation about the weekender at the end. Um, and then at the very end, we'll wrap things up with plugs. So, yeah. 
So let's start this off right then. What have we been up to? David, what do you, what do you got going on, man? Uh, I've just been uh, doing a lot of reading, man. I've been uh, getting into the lore and uh, super excited to talk with Jason about uh, Heresy Grad School and the, the Zao Arcade. But uh, I haven't really gotten a lot of games in. It's been kind of a slow two weeks for me. Played a little bit of Battlefleet Gothic, Battlefleet Heresy with uh, Steven and Austin two weeks ago. That was round two of our campaign, which was awesome. Um, it went it went really fast because we all rolled raid missions. Um, so we were done in like three or four hours. We got we got through round two of Battlefleet Heresy, and we've now gotten our upgrades and our refits and Steven's written some fucking amazing rules for uh, incorporating a lot of the sort of the crusade elements into uh, battlefleet heresy. He posted a little bit of that up on the, uh, the blog site. Um, but uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a good two weeks, man. What's that uh, blog site called? <laughs> Cause you, you got, you're going to have to plug it for me, man. Cause I get it wrong. Richmond30k.com. Richmond30k.com. There you go. Awesome content. It's got all kinds of painting content, all kinds of, uh, it's got some list builds in there. Um, It's definitely chock full of of hobby advice and hobby content. And uh, you guys are more than welcome to submit articles. Will, is that correct? Yeah. Anybody just needs to remail or remail, uh, email. rva30k at gmail.com and they can have their content posted. We are completely open. You know, if you are digging the heresy and you want to put content up, be it a paint scheme or a battle report or whatever, uh, we can go ahead and do that. Sweet. All right. uh, But yeah, that's been a good weekend then, huh? I know you just finished up Mechanicum, didn't you? Oh my God, dude. Changed my world, man. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes you got to be careful when you're reading really good books because you'll go out and start entire armies based off of a book. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. Mechanicum is one of those you could easily accidentally start a Nighthouse or a Legio Titanicus or a Mechanicum army with. Yeah, I'm not playing Imperial Fist because I just listened to Templar. No way. Yeah, no way, right? (laughs) (laughs) All right, uh, we'll move on then. Jared, what's been going on with you? You, Nothing really, right? You had a pretty boring two weeks? We just got back from the hospital yesterday. I haven't touched resin in about a week. (laughs) Yeah. Congratulations, by the way, man. Thank you, thank you. But good... Definitely the coolest thing ever. Yeah, they really are, man. They are a lot of fun, um, especially when they start doing stuff that makes you proud. Even, like, little stuff. Like, you know, the first time they take initiative to put their own socks on, and you're like, damn, oh my god, you're making me so proud right now. His eyes at one of the night nurses that was being kind of loud at, like, two in the morning, and I was intensely proud. Yeah. <laughs> Nice, but uh, that's good. You've been keeping busy reading books or anything like that, or mostly just attention on him? It, it's been full-time. Yeah, especially these first couple of weeks. I completely understand. The distinction of Dorn was teased on the day that my son was born. 
Yeah, that's so, uh, pretty amazing. <laughs> as soon as when I woke up that morning and you sent me that link, I was like, "You are you've got to be kidding me!" Yeah, and now remember, we had talked about that. You had mentioned that I think like two or three weeks ago on the last cast we did, or one of the casts we did, where you had said that you were going to buy a model the day he's born. And then give it to him when he's old enough, you know? And you had joked and said, well, I bet it's going to be Dorn. So that was pretty good, man. It's auspicious. Indeed. Indeed. All right, we'll move on then to uh, Jason. What have you been up to, man? All right, let's see here. Uh, I have been motoring through uh, building a two separate squads of Weapon Master veterans for my Thousand Sons. Uh, I'm pretty happy. Pretty much all of their... Uh, Bits and everything showed up in the mail on Friday. So I have been uh, slapping them together as fast as I can. Uh, Game-wise, I just got in a pretty interesting game with uh, Steven today as my first test game for the Williamsburg Muster. Which, uh, that one's pretty easy, uh, entertaining as well. It's uh, 2,500 points. I'm taking a list of... Uh, Ordo Reductor Mechanicum with a small uh, Thousand Suns detachment. That's cool. What are the um, list restrictions? Are there any really, or is it mostly just don't be a dick? Mostly don't be a dick, which uh, I've been wanting to use these uh, Thousand Suns for quite a while now, and I've been using them as an allied detachment of just my Praetor and Assault Squad and the... uh, Happiest new addition to the Little Thousand Sons family is a single magical robot. Oh, cute uh, little robot. Yeah, dude. Those Castellacs, Achaea, it's like, I swear, every time Dave and I will talk about them every couple of weeks or so, and we just keep discovering new awesome things about them. So my little magical robot, I've only got one right now, but he got his second game in today. And uh, actually, something I've never seen happen in my entire Horus Heresy uh experience uh a word bearer's army in its entirety uh was failed enough morale checks to uh get the entire army pinned what yeah (laughs) it was sad it was uh, pat and rob can back me up on this but three separate word units. it was so funny yo first off you never see word bearers uh fail leadership because the true believers because they throw the three decent and to see them fail, not once, not twice, but three times at the same time, that was, it was like, he played the, the crap lottery and won. Damn. To be fair, Steven's dice were just kicking him in the dick the entire game. I don't think he had a single above average roll. That is crazy. On 3d6, the average is 11. And yet he managed to fail that many times. Dang, dude. It was rough just seeing it. I felt, I felt bad. Yeah, sometimes the, the dice really just mess up the game because you do want to have a fun game, you know? And then if you're rolling super well and the other person's rolling mediocre or terrible, that kind of takes the fun out of it, you know? Then I'm just yeah. like, uh... You can re-roll that, you know, but then you just feel like, well, that's kind of insulting. If you think I'm doing that bad, I need a free pity re-roll. <laughs> Dude, I did that for someone one time because I thought I was, like, just crushing them early on. I lit up the slack, 
that it, that game changed quicker than I could like I could not go back. It was I got raffle stomped after that. Oh, like, no. oh my god! Like this is not what I thought. I I did you a favor. I put my guard down, and you you did me dirty. Yeah. Um. What was it? Um. I think in Nova 2016, uh, a guy I think was his name David Powell's. He paints amazing Iron Warriors, and um, he doesn't really play that much, but he paints like super, super well. Um, so he was going up against my Iron Hands armor spearhead or armor breakthrough list, and it was just not a good matchup for him. So I was like, hey, why don't you try doing this? So I was kind of like giving him like good advice to, you know, beat me, and I ended up like barely like scraping by by one point i was like maybe i shouldn't have given him so many tips you know damn <clears throat> for the wrong team yeah but it was super fun plus i'd watched him like that's one of the things i love about nova right is that you can follow people on facebook and you're like this guy's got an amazing army and then you finally get to meet that guy so like with david i'd watched him paint his first iron warrior and post it up on facebook and i was like dude this this is amazing i would love to see this army in real life and then you know that year i actually got to see it in real life and it was just spectacular but yeah so jason really picking on steven not intentionally either uh, the Mechanicum Thousand Suns list I've got is really, really low model count. So especially deployment and everything has to be really on point for me, or it just goes south really quick. Uh, there has to be a lot of synergy and overlap, and it's kind of stressful, but uh, a lot of fun, i got to admit. Well, you do cool. have the Flexomancer, let's be honest. Uh, yeah, yeah. Get- I love that Flexomancer. <laughs> Well, I'm glad his model ended up looking pretty cool. I just wanted to do something neat with that uh, Eidolon that, of course, wasn't actually Eidolon. So, uh, you know, I feel like the Pavoni, the Third Fellowship, are as close to Emperor's Children as they can be without actually being Emperor's Children, while still being yeah. Thousand Yeah, I'm not, yeah. A, I'm not a fan of your Thousand Sons Praetor. Don't really like him. He's a dick. Yeah, no grudges or anything. Like I said, he's getting a little infamous. Yeah, I mean, his first day out, he became infamous, didn't he? Was that his first outing, when he killed the knight? That was the first time I ever put him on the table. Yeah. Awesome. Um, Alright, well, let's move on then. Pat, what have you been up to? Um, Other than being sick, uh, I've been building a heavy weapon squad so that I can sit Malagurst in the back backfield for my uh, list and then working on a just Aaron's paint scheme and a uh, dreadclaw that's about it what's the plan for the dreadclaw what's going on that um so ideally either um reavers when i don't have them with jump packs or i'm thinking like a vet squad very good. I like vet squads. Uh, they're probably my new favorite thing, even though they've oh, been yeah. since forever. Well, and the great thing with Malagurst is that I can take them as troops. So, Oh, yeah. That's even better, right? Um, yeah, and then uh, and then today I had a uh, game with Rob. How'd that go? Um, Rob won, but I've won the moral victory by shooting his uh, 
his new dreadnought in the back. So, oh no! Yeah, was I that challenged the, him the dual to sword a dreadnought fight. Yeah, it was the Black and Contemptor mashup, and I I was right there. He was he was in charge distance, and that squad sh- shot him in the butt. Oh no! Well, come on. I mean, they're traitors. They're not honorable, Rob. You you know that. Yeah. Well, I mean, first off, I don't blame you. A Leviathan does not need to show any kind of pride to a Cordus Contemptor. It's no. like, dude, you're beneath me. Whoa. But he was coming for you. Oh, I know. But I, I, I had a had a awful feeling about that. So I just wanted to hedge my bets. But it was a fun game, and then uh, a good friend of mine that I play uh, like fantasy and uh, 40k with dropped off uh, my Christmas present from him, which was uh, Horus. So I'm super stoked to finish up all of these just Aaron. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think the great thing about Horus is the fact, I mean, other than the fact he's the most powerful Primarch in the game, uh, the fact that he can bring a Terminator bodyguard without needing a transport. Oh, yeah. He just says, oh, I want to be on that part of the board. Boop. He's there. Yeah, super cool. Especially with the, uh, oh, God, what is that talent? Not talent for murder. What is your ability that you have where you, like, rapid fire? Within 12 inches, plus one BS, death dealer. Death dealer, that's it. Um, Yeah, so that with, like, a whole squad of combi plasma terminator can just, you know decimate something and whatever's left you just scrape up with the bottom of your boot oh yeah he's definitely gonna get some play i know uh jason and i were talking today uh and we want to get like a three thousand point game in where i bring uh horus yeah i think three thousand points is good i've been mulling the idea around in my head of um of doing like a primarch's chosen mini game and what that would be is like Primarch's chosen list but at 1500 points for every player so, and obviously there'd be exceptions for people who don't have Primarchs and that kind of stuff but I would just love to see everybody bring a Primarch's chosen list of 1500 points and just basically have a Primarch and Bodyguard smash fest that'd be awesome what's the lowest point um, Primarch right now because I know Horace is like 500 Two or three hundred, I think. It's three eighty-five. Uh, oh, I want to say it's like Alfarius is probably the cheapest, isn't he? I think it's Korax. If you take his like wounded Istvan version, he's like I think three fifty-five. Oh, okay. Nobody plays. Why would you play that version of him though? Like, because you're fluffy. I'm just answering. Yeah. Yeah, Jason's Jace, oh, yeah. getting berated over here for no, 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 no. I'm, I'm just—it's just a general question. I'm not like getting mad at Jason. Harden, go home. Take your ball, Jason, and get out of here. <laughs> we don't like your flexomancer. Um, let, oh, well, that's pretty cool, Pat. I'm definitely digging it. I'm happy you got your Primark. That's always good. Um, Robbie, what you been up to, man? Oh, working, working, working. Doing a lot of work lately, and uh, a lot of adulting. Got to make have, that cheddar. You right, uh, but I have been finding some time to get some uh, hobby in, and I've got a uh, about fifteen hundred 
points worth of uh, a Centurion Imperial Fist uh, with veterans and Terminators and a Contemptor. So I'm happy I've got a playable list now and uh, everything else that I add just going to keep boosting those points up. Uh, and I'm, I'm, so far, I'm, I'm kind of digging them. Uh, they're, they're undefeated. Um, they're 1-0. So I don't know if I should just go ahead and retire them now. Yeah, that's or, that's yeah. what I did with the Shattered Legion. I, yeah. I, I got one win in and I said, good job, guys. That's it. That's <laughs> it. So uh, I'm happy with, uh, with the scheme. It's like I'm cheating, though, because it's not like completely yellow. They're like black with yellow shoulder pads. Yeah, it's face. the it's the the veteran variant that you see in the books. Yeah, yeah, which so looks I, I awesome. Cheated. I'm cheating, but that's what I went with because I just miss playing legions, and you know I've been playing with the solar auxilia for so long. It's like I just want to wear some power armor, and I just want to have a terminator. I want to I want to win an assault. Uh, so <laughs> that's kind of what I went with, and I'm super excited. Uh, had a game day with Pat and. Uh, when we rolled the mission, it was War of Lies. I was like, I'm going to lose. Oh, and no. it's, That's our favorite, oh I think, gosh. in the meta. I think everybody loves War of Lies. I hate it, because I've always... I will always get those objectives, but I'll always roll a six and get the minus. Like, the last time I played it, I had negative five victory points. At the Dang. End. It's like, yo, I'm not getting rewarded for this, and... I had three objectives to Pat's one, and I still came out with one victory point. Luckily, it was enough to win. But, yeah, it was rough. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, I know a lot – I, I say everybody loves it jokingly because I think worldwide it's probably the most hated um, uh, mission out there. But I, I just love the fact that you can put in all that effort and it still mean nothing at the end, you know, because – Let's get deep here, guys. There are no winners in war, okay? Just not as bad as losing? <clears throat> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was a good game. Cool. Um, and I've got some BF, BF, uh, BFG, BFH. I don't know how it is. I'm so new to it. But I do got some ships coming in, and I'm really happy to get on with the, you know, get my monocle polish, and I'm going to go get a you know, nice Admiral uniform. I'm just going to start feeling superior to other people, so that's going to be fun. Yeah, that's, that's you the best should. way, is just to immerse yourself in the role and just be a pompous ass anywhere you go, and soon enough you'll start being really good at Battlefleet Gothic. Yeah, yeah I you might don't need to learn any the rules. Um, well, as far as me, um, hypothetically, I've been working on Custodes, but that's neither confirmed nor denied. Um, for a 48 paint challenge, I was doing a shield captain, the new one that came out and, um, I failed that 48 hour challenge cause I'm doing the cast when I could have been painting, but Hey, you know, that's okay. Um, and I've realized that while put, while painting this model, I, I kind of messed up a little bit. Um, because the way his cape is, I should have like put the cape on last but the cape is also the back of his legs so i didn't realize that you know i was thinking oh, i'll put this on to have the back of the legs done but um yeah i would definitely go back and do it different if i could because uh it's been a pain in the ass to paint that cape without trying to get any of the gold and uh as far as everything else i've just been working on jesse's knights and uh looking at this 
Weekender, man. But yeah. Oh, and also I've been reading up on um, Battlefleet Gothic ship variants because I don't really care about the rules. I just want a, something that's going to look nice. And, you know, that's really all it concerns me with is what, what ships look the coolest is what I'll be going with. Are you trying to go uh, Iron Hands with it? Yeah, and it's yeah, it's got to be something similar to what Shadrach Medusin would do. So, you know, they do, like, very close brawls and um, boarding actions. Yeah, so, like, I mean, to me, that kind of sounds like one, uh, like, nice battleship and then a bunch of really fighty, tanky escorts. Yeah, I knew some of those words. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm it'll a nerd. Be, it'll, it'll be interesting, man. Um, you know, it, it's definitely a slow grow, and it's definitely... Um, like a tertiary project for me. I got Shattered Legion's primary, um, Sisters of Silence, with a couple custodes thrown in there for the main, or for my secondary project. So this is like a tertiary project for me, Battlefleet Gothic. <laughs> Plus, you know, I get one day a month to play, and I don't know if I'm going to want to spend it on a game that I have to relearn or learn whole new rule sets for and everything, you know? That's understandable. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so that's been what we've been up to, guys. We'll be right back uh, with a little bit of Worth a Buy with Rob. Guys, we're going to skip Worth a Buy this week. Uh, We've talked amongst ourselves, and we think that the Weekender is the bigger fish that we want to fry right now. So let's get into the Weekender. We're going to start with the first thing that was teased, which was... Dorn. Go ahead, Jared. Oh, he's glorious. He's beautiful. He's 10 out of 10. Um, I, I think they could have done Storm Steep a little little bit longer, but really, they, they just knocked it out of the park. They did such a good job. He doesn't have a beard, though. I need a beard. I was or- disappointed he didn't have a giant like mustache. Mustache <laughs> Dorn is my favorite Dorn. <laughs> Maybe he just shaved it that one day. And yeah, I mean, he just shaved it. Guys, give him a break. You know, he, it takes a while to grow in. He is a Primark, but hair can only grow so fast. I wonder what kind of razor a Primark would need to shave their face. Yeah, is that like a Superman situation in that, like, there's no blades strong enough to actually shave Primarch hair? Wait, he so puts six power swords together? Does Superman not grow facial hair, then? I think he has to eye laser it off, is the official DC canon. Wait, so what, like in a mirror? Yeah, like a mirror. Wait a minute, so you mean to counter Superman's eye lasers, all you need is a mirror? That doesn't nah, That is a good point. Dang. Okay, we are grossly off topic now. Let's get back to Dorn. Rails. But uh, yeah, Dorn's pretty cool. I did like seeing two different schemes. One of them in yellow, and then the one in gold, which I expected him in. It was a bit odd to see him in yellow. Like I get why, but I don't know. Did he ever wear yellow? No, it's always been gold, right? It's always been gold. It's called the Auric armor. It's that's it's gold. Interesting. Oh, so what? What's next, Pat? You got a well, big long list. Right? Oh, we're done. Okay, come on. Yeah. 
What'd y'all feel about the Night Lords as the on the scenic base? What do you think that's hinting to? You mean that oh, they're napping? Yeah. yeah, the napping. The one that got bonked on the head. Yeah, Doran is just overseeing the nap. No, dude, he totally got hammer-punched on the top of the head, and his spinal column is shattered in a million tiny pieces. I mean, hammer-punching's a thing, isn't it, Rob? Absolutely. I, I imagine it would hurt more if you're a Primarch. <clears throat> yeah, it probably would. Um, but uh, Were there any battles between uh, Fists and Night Lords? Not, that Dorne was a part of? Not yet, I don't think, unless we're talking about the Walls of Terror. Yeah, I think that's going to be a Terror thing. I think that's going to be at the very end. I'm sure Savitar will escape the Dark Angels and he'll show up and, and you know, raise in hell with the rest of the Night Lords. Definitely. Um, what, anything else on Dorne, then? I was a little curious if that Night Lord was hinting back to, uh, what was that audio drama? It was either Dark King or Lightning Tower. Because I remember it very distinctly. Dorn shows up to a planet the Night Lords have just pacified. And the Night Lords are like culling the population to teach him a lesson. Dorn and Kurs get into this big shouting match. And this is way pre-heresy when the Night Lords first disappear for 20 years. Because they end up taking Kurs into custody. Because Kurs tells Fulgrim about like his wacky future visions. Fulgrim tattles to Dorn, and Dorn's just showing up to uh, confront Kurz about it. So I was curious if it was like hearkening back to that audio drama. Yeah, but you said that was a shouting match. Did it end up turning into something like Night of the Wolf? Oh yeah, it ended up uh, Kurz jumped on Dorn and like roughed him up pretty good. But apparently, that's when they uh, took him prisoner the first time. Yeah, I was just curious, because, you know, you would think that they'd have Iron Warriors down there, and they went with Night Lords, so I was like, there's got, there's got to be a reason, so I didn't know if anybody had some insight. No, oh, that's good. That's a good point. Um, so, what what's next? For me, I want to talk about Valdor. Um, let's do it. Well, first off, let's talk about the Shield Captain. Cool model. Very ornate but not over the top. He looks like he's there for business. I love the Paragon Spear. I'm totally going to get one. Um, they are amazing. I think I think the Shield Captain looks great. And it's a it's great that we don't have to keep seeing the same old um, Ixon Hale model everywhere now. So that'll be cool. But Valdor. Man, what a shocker that turned out to be. He is cool, but he is over the top. Yeah, it's like he watched the thrift shop hip hop, and he just went <laughs> to town, and he's got all these furs. I'm like, first off, who would pick that fur to wear? Like, it is ungodly. Like, what well, animal like- is that? It could be part of this the demon that he has like this head of a demon on the back of his uh armor. Is it a demon though? I mean how many times have custodians fought demons? They didn't fight demons until the webway then, right? But then if you look at it faded away when you killed him. Yeah, and then if you look at his base, he's clearly on Prospero. So you know, that doesn't make sense. If it was a demon, it's, I really think it's a drake or something like that. But I don't think the fur is part of that thing at all. Um, 
But the fur is just like something else. It's like a wolf or a lion or something like that. The skull is from some sort of dragon thing, and the feathers are from some sort of bird thing. Um, so, I mean, clearly they're all like big predator, like big game that he's hunted and killed, which is, you know, cool, but I just... He's really peacocking. Like, he's going to the club, and he's picking up every chick in there for sure. Well, so, um, I was actually having a conversation with a couple other friends lately about this model, and they're like, what if it's like he's posing for a portrait? I know that's a silly idea, but, like, you know, what if he's just in a heroic pose and there's a remembrancer in the background that we just don't have a model for? Oh, I like that. That works for me. No. Because he's on fucking Prospero, man. Look at the base. Yeah, well, it's well a I mean, oh yeah, I know that. I mean, they would. They, first off, an artist can paint any, you know, scenery that they want. He just got to capture what Valdor looks like at the event. You know, I mean, you look at Napoleon's portrait and that kind of stuff. I get it. I get what you're saying, Pat. That that could definitely work. You know. I like That's that. That's really concept. the only hope for me, at least, for the model. Is they were like, hey, man, we know. You normally don't wear this stuff, but can you just put this stuff on for while, while we paint this picture of you real quick? Like in uh, in Hercules when he's at the the you know in Greece or whatever, and they they have him wearing the lion, which is Scar, and he's like dressed up in another Disney character. I get it. Oh yeah, yeah. It would make a lot more sense if he had like three different you know, set designers who couldn't exactly agree with each other, so they all got a say in what he was wearing for his portrait. Yeah, I I mean, it makes sense. Okay, so that's the reasoning behind it, guys, all right? Henceforth, this is just like a photo op gone bad. That's all it is. Right, they've just kicked the Thousand Sons off Prospero. Uh, Imperial Command comes down and is like, hey, we need a good shot for, like, the media victory on Prospero. Valdor, can you go pose, like, thematically on top of that ruined building over there? Yeah, he's like, look, yeah. looking at him, like, he's gonna make a great Emperor's Children character. Like, if <laughs> like he's that paint, gaudy? Yeah, like, if you just oh, yeah. purple, changes, put, like, a helmet on him, he'd make, like, a perfect Palantine blade or something. Like, that's how over-the-top he looks. But yeah, um, I, I'm going to get one for sure just because it's Valdor. And uh, my goal on it is just to get one of every character model. So if I can do that, you know, sure, whatever. So, Will, I got a question for you because you're yeah. the Custodes player. Um, are all Guardian Spears different? Because I, cause I mean, like, his is completely different from, like... Well, his spears is, is a, got, like, a special name for it and everything. And oh, okay. the um, the spear that the, uh, like, the Tribune Ixon Hale has, and then the spear that the um, the new shield captain has, those are Paragon spears. Okay. And uh, those are, like, Paragon blades, but, you know, they have the um, lightning blow effect on top. So, they're pretty good. I, I like Paragon Blades. I put par, uh, I put the Paragon Spears on anything I can just because they're so unique. Like, anytime there's unique war gear for an army, I'm more likely to use it than I am just, you know, whatever. <clears throat> awesome. 
So let's talk about like some of these new transports that they showed up. What I'm really excited for, at least for my militia army, is that new uh, militia transport that almost looks like a rhino. Yeah, definitely. It looks like a couple people had a variant of a rhino STC, or like Saturn has a variant of the Rhino STC, and rather than call it a Rhino, they're just going to call it another name because they're Saturn, and they don't bend to anybody else's will but their own and the Emperor's. You know what I mean? So they're like, no, nah, man, we, we this totally isn't a Rhino. This is a Saturn time thingy thing. Yeah. It, I mean, they call it the Orox Armored Transport. So, I mean, I'm, I'm really hopeful for it because, you know, the, the Gorgon is out of commission, or... You know they don't make it anymore, and then the Arvalis lighter that that just doesn't make sense. It only transports twelve guys, you know. Yeah, and I mean, really, in militia, what twelve guys do you have that could be effective in a lighter? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, even like a recon squad, you're going to be infiltrating them in, so it doesn't even just doesn't work. Yeah. Um. What else? What What's next? What What else? Somebody like. Oh, on the Orox, I was like, I was looking at the name. I was like, it's got to be something. I looked it up. Orox is an extinct species of large wild cattle. So it's not a rhino. It's a cow. (laughs) Gotcha. Basically, it's like the water buffalo of 30K. So they can make a bigger one with a bigger gun and make it like the rhino. Or not the rhino. Make it something bigger, like the bull. The bull. Yeah, the bull. There you go. So, and then we've got the termite assault drill, the Terex pattern termite assault drill. I have mixed feelings about that. That came out of nowhere. Like, I was not expecting an assault drill or anything like that, you know? It's very uh, Krieger kind of thing. What, like Krieger, like the, the dude who made aliens? Or are you talking like... No, Death like Creek. Death Corp Creek. Oh, okay. Just because, like, the they have a drill. Breaching, the Hades yeah. breaching drill. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I want to I see, like, like when it's going to start coming up in the books now. Like, because they got to have some fluff to support it now. They can't just say, hey, cool idea, new unit. But now they're going to have to back it up. So I'm, in, I'm excited to see some of the uh, situations that the legions are going to call upon this drill instead of a drop pod. Well, I mean, let's go back to the salamanders. Didn't they have to go, like, their first mission was on Terra, was to assault some vaults that were in the crust of the Earth, you know? And they had to go deep down there where they were less affected by radiation than any other legion and fight this, like, Archaeotech madman. Do you guys remember this? No, what is that? Oh yeah, like that's like that's like the uh, history of the of the Legion. That was before they met up with, um, you know, the uh, um, what's his name, big guy Hammer, Vulcan? Vulcan. Vulcan. There you go. Yeah, before they met up with Vulcan when they were still on Terra, they had to go assault this like super advanced tech that you know he was like one of the last warlords that the Emperor was trying to get rid of, and. uh he had to send them down to the Earth's core, and I think they used some sort of drill transport to get there. But was uh, it a Balrog deep in the Earth? Right. Yeah. Send, send Gandalf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think it's in the um, 
uh, is it book three? It's like their um, one of their battles uh, of history or whatever. You know how every uh, legion has those. A massacre. No, 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 not a. Not, I mean, it was a massacre. Yes, uh, they only a few got out alive, but they ended up doing what they were commanded. But, um, you know how, like, every army has, like, a, uh, battle of moment or whatever, oath of, not oath of moment, Christ, what am I trying to say? Notable battles. Notable battles, yeah. It's, it's the Salamander's notable battle. I thought that was spin five. I mean, that is pretty Ooh. notable. Sick burn, Robbie. Too soon. Too Just a little bit. soon. Oh. <laughs> so... And then they're releasing another drill, or at least they gave us like a proof of concept, the Mechanicum Ordinatus Mole. Like, what is this thing? It's a Saturday morning cartoon doomsday device. What more do you need? Absolutely. Looks like a fucking nuclear bomb they're about to drop down a hole. I mean, all the pictures that they have of it, they have a marine next to it, and it, it looks like it's titan-sized, or at least knight-sized. It's ridiculous. Oh, yeah, it's definitely the same size as all the other, um... What are the, the, the other mechanic of Lord of Wars? Yeah, I completely missed that it's a variant of an Ordnatus engine. That's yeah, hilarious. Yeah, it is an Ordnatus engine, just with a gigantic fuck you missile on it. <laughs> right? But, um... Jason, do you, like, is this brought up at all in any lore, or is this just gonna be something brand new? I think it's an epic. No, there are actually mentions. Um, shoot, I thought there was one in Mechanicum, but they definitely talk about the giant subterranean drills that the Mechanicum used to carve new passages to create things like archaeologies and stuff for subterranean mm. porch veins. Well, I know in Mechanicum they talk about the the big laser one. Or, yeah, the big laser one just because they use it against a uh, a titan. Yeah, there's like a, what, a magnum melta drill or some such. Yeah. Whoa, dudes, I just had a, just had a, uh, epiphany. What if you take this thing in your army list and it allows you to essentially create a, like a deep strike pathway onto the board uh, for anything in reserve? That would be pretty awesome. Sort of like uh, in StarCraft 2 or StarCraft, how you have like the Nautilus canals where you can like load units into it and then drop them yeah. anywhere you want. Yeah, I like that idea a lot. Yeah, That'd be fucking awesome if you could set off like a 7-inch blast and then all your reserves immediately arrive from yeah. that location. Yeah. yeah that would I, be pretty right cool. now I can't see what it's supposed to do. Uh, you set the timer for 12 hours so you give Austin <laughs> Powers enough time to come save the world. <laughs> and just like yeah. every big Mechanicum creation, it does have superfluous Volkite. Oh, yeah, like, because it needs it. Well, to be that is my absolute favorite thing about the Ordnatus engines, is if you turn them around on the 360 view on Forge World's website, right in the rear end near the exhaust is like an ass Volkite. It's perfect. It's very mechanical. Right? Is it weird that the more I look at this, or not this mole, that I keep picturing, like, uh, what's that blimp? Is it, like, the Good good, good, good Witch or Good Wrench or oh, something? Oh, Goodyear blimp. 
Yeah, yeah. I keep seeing that show up on the side, and I just keep picturing it walking with, oh. like, just float away. I'm like, oh, that's what it is. Yeah, super. I mean, it definitely is mechanical, 100%. Like, just some crazy shit that was probably originally designed for construction. And then they're like, hey, you know, we could also kill people with this. And they're like, yeah, you're right, we could. Let's uh, let's go ahead and do that. Yeah, let's fill this up with world eaters. And like, I feel like half of all the the war engines that we see are like also construction vehicles that you know just fucking they threw guns on them and were like that works. Let's roll with it. That is absolutely the entire story of the Mechanicum. Just yeah, hey, isn't it? Probably uh, kill people with this. Like I know in Seventh Serpent, there's a, um, I think it's a Reaver Titan in that story, and they're like, "Holy shit, it's a Reaver! We gotta watch out, be careful!" And they're like, "Oh wait, it's just got cranes for arms. Never mind, we're fine." Oh, uh, so, and then they, or I guess we're done with the mole because Jesus, we can't say more about it. Um, they're. I guess almost this is a re-release of like the Rogue Trader Land Speeder. Yeah, and I had heard where that that was event only. Really? That's what I thought I read somewhere. Um, that it was going to be like an event only vehicle. So, I mean, we'll be able to pick them up at Nova, hopefully. And like Adepticon and that kind of stuff, if ever Forge World goes there, which they, they have been, you know. And I know... Will, you and I were talking about this one. You want to pick some up for your Raven Guard. Yeah, I'd probably get three for the Raven Guard, definitely. They're in Mark um, 6, which is perfect for it. And I think speeders in general do really well in Raven Guard. So, Will, do you think it'll have special rules, or do you think it'll be like an... No, I think it'll just be a regular Legion speeder. I I mean, if it had special rules, that'd be cool. But... um, no, I think it's still just going to be your basic Legion speeder. I'd be pretty pissed if I got assigned to that speeder and I look <laughs> yeah. next door, and the other ones have like a floor and a hood. And it's like, dude. But yeah, if you look at it, that's going on. Like you say, a hood, and like by a hood, you just mean a metal rod that goes like between you and the other guy. Like look at look at the the current speeder, the current Space Marine speeder. The only thing it's got is like an aluminum floor and then they welded together a few pieces of aluminum on the front to make you feel safer but it offers no more protection than the crazy thing that we you know saw from Rogue Trader that thing better have a seat belt no seat seat belts when you have mag boots (laughs) I don't know my mom's just coming out yeah I know it's good Um. okay so uh the next thing is it they kind of showed this as like a work in progress, but it's their new like Mechanicum Acastus Knight that like the the photos that are up that people have been showing, it looks like this guy's got two giant conversion beamers for arms. Yeah. No, they're las cutters. For sure. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Jason, I'd love to get your two cents on this and like you think it's gonna be cool? So I think Will and I were talking about this many, many months ago when the Porphyrin first came out. And I was like, hey, it's called the Acastus Knight Porphyrin, just like a Serastus Knight Lancer. Do you think they're doing that just because it's a different body type? Do you think they're going to yeah, be a body Yeah, I remember that conversation. We were like, this is totally a new chassis. 
Yeah, because it's entirely different. Like it it shares similarities with no other night so far. But the the thing that gets to me, the Porphyrin is pretty great at range. I mean, admittedly, it's kind of neutered by anything with a flare shield and armor fourteen, but it's decently scary. But once you get it in close combat, it's only got a couple of attacks. It's not like a normal knight that has like a D-saber and a whole bunch of stomps. It's really rough. And the thought of putting conversion beamers on this knight that's not great in combat already, it's, it's super entertaining because when you get closer to a conversion beamer, it's like inverse melta. It works worse the closer you get. So I feel like this knight, while it looks pretty cool, it's going to be a huge problem with trying to keep it away from everything. Deploy it on the table behind you. You won't have to worry about being assaulted. Yeah, there you go, right? Oh, come and get me. <laughs> but um, a couple things to note. Uh, for me, I think there it's, it's still a work in progress. I'm pretty sure they're going to remove the shoulders and hull mount the conversion beamers. Because what they got going on now just looks ridiculous with teeny tiny shoulders and those big ass guns. And, you know, I, I don't know, man, that thing just doesn't look right as it stands. But it is a work in progress, so we'll see. The um, the previous version went through a lot of iterations of, you know, beefing out the legs and changing the, the front armor and that kind of stuff. So we'll see. Right. Now, so y'all were saying, uh, you know, the new chassis. Do you think we will see like um, a close combat oriented Acastus? Would that be something people would yeah. like? I don't know. That they would... don't seem like nimble, right? They don't seem like those big ass legs and that heavy armor front looks like it's it's meant to stay put and just fire and soak up fire. I think. I don't think it's it's a brawler. But I do I do think we will see other weapon options for it or other variants that have different weapon options on it. Yeah, most definitely. All right, we are we got five minutes left. Let's pick the next big one. What what do we have? We got. I'd say we could do, we could do Scoria. Yeah. Shit. Yeah, Scoria. Man, that dude has got a brass scorpion for a body. Ridiculous. Dude, he his model legitimately would scare me as a child. Like, if I saw him up close, painted, and I was like, I'm not playing this game. This game is scary. It's like <laughs> this Kingdom game Death. Is shit. It's like a Kingdom Death model. It is. It kind of makes me feel weird. I, I felt a little uncomfortable looking at it, too. Yeah, the fact that, guys, he doesn't have, a, like, a display base and then a play base. Like, his whole fucking base is his play base. He's huge. Yeah, he is. <clears throat> yeah, it's going to make it harder for him to fit with all his cast lacks. So I'm not upset about that. Yeah. But um, he's pretty cool, man. Very cool. Jason, what, what's your opinion on him? I'm a really big fan. Uh, he has, I'm pretty sure all of you know, but I converted my own Scoria within a couple of weeks of uh, book six first coming out. But just to see him and him coming out exactly how I imagined him looking is like a giant ass baroque like robo death scorpion, just spot on. Like all the 
fanatical praise Jared just had for Dorn, this is me for Scoria. They could not have hit the mark better. Yeah, I won't feel bad when he kills a Primarch because his model yeah, that deserves is. to do that. It's okay now, yeah. That's why I'm not upset that uh, Graviton imploders changed. If Primarchs get uppity, we still got Scoria. Yes. Oh, man. He really is awesome. Um, I'm trying to think. Is there anything else that was as good as that, though? Like, all the characters that we got. I mean, as far as characters, I mean, they did tease Alpharius, but... uh, Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, we could could talk real quick about... uh, Malevolence. We, yeah, and we like, didn't get much on um, Alpharius, unfortunately. Yeah, Malevolence. Let's see that. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll summon Jesse's salt train and say, where the hell are the Dark Angels? Um, but you guys go right ahead. Yeah, Blood Angels, White Scars, Demons. Pretty good, though. I mean, I'm happy with that. I mean, I yeah. was expecting White Scars to be after this book. And so I was like, all right, well, I'll just wait. And then I saw White Scars. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this changes everything. Yeah. Well, it's also going to be in the Chondax system. So could we see some rules for orcs? Woo! I think if we were going to yeah. see rules for orcs, they would have told us, right? They typically don't like keep that stuff from us. What were the White Scars doing in Chondax? Killing orcs. Yeah. Cleansing. Oh, actually, they were being... Uh, Cleansing, I think, yeah. Like, yeah, they were They were actually uh, being dicked around by Horus. Like, they didn't need to be over there. They were just uh, getting pushed away from the heresy, so they didn't play a big part. But, uh, yeah, interesting. And uh, more rules for, what did they say, Alpha Legion and uh, the Valk Finraka? Yeah, because so. the Space Wolves, they, uh, they definitely need new rules. It's been so long. I know, this poor guy is getting no love. But uh, upgrade kits for them, upgrade kits for Custodes, a uh, bunch of Rogue, or not Rogue Trader, but... Um, Necromunda. Necromunda stuff, very cool. And we got Titan Death. Which, Titan Death, which did yeah. they set a pretty good scene for uh, Adeptus Titanicus, which, again, that'll be a project I get into for sure. Oh, can you hear, like, David chomping at the bit right now? Yeah, he's, like, salivating over there. Hey, what do y'all think that uh, Derradeo missile rack is? Oh, yeah, right? Oh, shit, yeah. We did see a couple things, right? The Cortis Contemptor, um, the Derradeo missile rack, which I think, I'm hoping it's Kraken Penetrators. You can just take four Kraken Penetrators for 75 points. Oh, god damn, no. (laughs) And then you give it the the Twin Link Laz Cannon that you can't, you know, ignore cover on, and then those missiles can then, in, you know, independent fire at another thing. That'd be super cool. I'd be okay with that. That's super cool. And I'd like to be able to shoot down a lightning that has Kraken Penetrators on it as well. Yeah, Kraken Penetrators with Interceptor on that thing? That'd be dope. But, um, I don't know. We'll see. Dreadnought pods. I mean, really, any vehicles, right? Yeah. I mean, if it can do the independent fire, and it is... Well, no, I'm it, saying that, that they, uh, previewed uh, Dreadnought. Yeah, they've got a nicer hinge to them, too. And it actually can fit a Contemptor underneath it now. Yeah. So, yeah, they're much bigger than they were before. So anybody who has a Dreadnought Drop Pod carry foam is going to need to update their foam. Or stick with the old one, you know? 
I mean, because yeah, the I surface area, I'm looking at the photo right now, it's gigantic. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It definitely feels like it's supposed to carry, you know, Leviathans now and Contemptors now, not just the box robots. Or box, you know, dreadnoughts. Um, right. But yeah, so do we have anything else we want to talk about for the weekend, or is that covered up? I mean, honestly, all of our info we got from Garrow on Facebook, guys. So if you want to, you know, get up-to-date info and coverage, check out Garrow on Facebook or BattleBunnies.com. Or what is it, .blogspot.com? I think it's .blogspot, yeah. yeah. I love Battle Bunnies. Those cats are awesome. I get, oh. I get all my information from Pokey Parts. <laughs> Pokey Parts, yeah. Uh, real quick, though, we got squats before Plastic Sisters. That's all oh, I yeah, say. we got a squat before acing. Well, technically, we got two Plastic Sisters, so the Plastic Sisters are in the lead. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's it's legit. All right, I'm excited so, to paint him. Yeah, he's going to be cool. Definitely. And I think um, for like an NPC system, like the Necromunda dudes are just all perfect for NPCs. If you ever want to do an NPC system in 30k, the Necromunda line is just awesome for it. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, we're going to take a break and then we'll be back with um, uh, Heresy Grad School, right, Jason? Yeah, well, totally. Absolutely. As soon as I remember, my mic is muted. <laughs> For sure. All right, guys. We'll see you then. Well, Jason's uh, getting his reference material teed up. I just have to say, I found an amazing Easter egg in Imperial Armor. Book 11, The Doom of Mimey Era. Anybody think Eldar? Oh, yeah. So, Jason, page 90 in Imperial Armor, uh, The Doom of Mimey Era, is a reference to the Forge of Zao Arkad. Nice. Fucking crazy, dude. It's basically reunited with the Imperium. And they find like lost STC lore, and and uh, they start manufacturing a new version of the uh, the Crassus. That's pretty amazing. It's pretty cool. We should definitely talk about that. Because <laughs> yeah, it mentions in here that um, most of what they are telling you in the history here it's obtained by uh, Mechanicum assay teams from the Metallican Forge world that only get to the planet like during the scouring. Yeah. Yeah. Which is the reunification after the heresy, right? Yeah. Yeah. When they're kind of like pushing the chaos, uh, well, yeah. Kind of yeah. Chaos back into the eye and, uh, the maelstrom. Are we recording that we are? Yeah. Yeah. We have been. Okay. Awesome. Um, so Jason, what are we talking about, man? <laughs> All right, guys, tonight on Horus Heresy Grad School, we are talking about something near and dear to my heart, uh, the Zhao Arkad Forge World. This is out of uh, Book 7, page 170, following along at home. So these guys are pretty great for several reasons. Uh, 
First off, the Forge World of Zhao Arkad is the Mechanicum Forge World tied to the Thousand Suns. Uh, when you see those big, pretty, magical Castellacs, Archaea, that's where these guys come from. And uh, throughout Thousand Suns, the novel by Graham McNeil, you always hear about Colophus and his uh, wacky team of robot maniples. It's probably where they came from, too. Uh, the Zhao Arkad was pretty interesting as a forge world. It has a whole long and storied history over several pages, which we'll uh, get into here. But another nice thing for me personally is their colors are gold, red, and black, just like my uh, third fellowship, Thousand Suns, so they fit right in next to them. All right, so let's get into this. The first thing I thought that was just the coolest part of most of this, uh, on the very first page, 170 here, we have this little excerpt from the castigations of the Logistica Corpus. So, beware, for the antipath doth engender the workings of the idle and the isolated to corruption and falsity. As the prey beast that becomes separated from the herd becomes meat for the predator, so too does the wayward artificer become the vessel of Heratechnica. And that sums up all of these cool trader forge worlds. Zhao Arkad, Zana's another good one. These are forge worlds that are flung way out away from Mars that were colonized during the dark days of the uh, age of technology uh, before old night. And uh, Zana, the forge world from book six, uh, near and dear to my heart as well, because that's where uh, it all scoria comes from, shares a lot of similarities here with Zhao Arkad. Uh, they were both really far flung and isolated from a bunch of different fleets. And Zhao Arkad is interesting because it was, all, it was pretty much accidental as a settling. Um, the way it got started, a forge fleet, one of those terrific uh, Mechanicum arc exploration fleets, uh, they encounter a warp anomaly, uh, the warp storms that get so uh, potent later in, and they get dumped out of the warp. And their ships are uh, damaged, bleeding, and this Zhao system, uh, the one planet they found in here that's habitable, that they can actually land on is where they end up uh, colonizing. They essentially crash land their biggest arc vessel on there. And uh, it's very interesting because it's... It's a death world, right, Jason? Yeah, it's a uh, tropical toxic death world, which a couple of... I love the details that Forge World have put into some of these books because they don't just stop with telling you that, but they also explain like tiny, amazing details about this planet that give it so much character. Uh, it's a toxic tropical death world, sure, but also uh, they mention it has a very, very high oxygen content, so much so that it's actually toxic to normal humans, but it's allowed the evolution of various megafauna. Uh, they specifically talk on uh, giant ophidian beasts, which are you know snake-like things, snake-like reptiles, and arthropods, which I thought was a pretty neat detail because, uh, of course, I'm not an evolutionary arthropodologist, but uh, <laughs> you know, cool. there's this 
there's this long-standing theory. I have worked with a couple of them. Uh, long-standing theory um, in paleontologists that there's been a link to the oxygen in the environment versus the size of arthropods. That's where um, if you've ever, every kid has this dinosaur phase, you know, you get those giant dragonflies and things, very classic. And- yeah, yeah, back when there was more oxygen on earth and that kind of stuff that could become larger i get you uh that is referred to as hyperpoxic gigantism which uh essentially the theory goes that the arthropods in today's world are limited in size by what's called uh their tracheal respiration system in their exoskeleton so essentially if they get too big they can't get oxygen to the things they need to and they would essentially suffocate inside their own tiny body armor so if you have a super oxygen rich environment, theoretically, you could have gigantic arthropods, which I thought was a super neat detail that uh, I kind of appreciated. Yeah, the fact that they would go that far out of the way to put that in there, man, that's that's what brings these worlds to life, like you yeah. said. Absolutely. Another couple of cool details you've got going on. Um, this is a tropical world. They've got these giant tree canopies that actually are so huge, they reach above cloud level, and they have entire storm systems Damn. like under the rainforest canopy. What? Yeah. it's uh, They're like miniature jungles underneath this huge rainforest canopy that create their own storm system, which... Uh, that's what they were saying that cause uh, perfect environments for a lot of these macro predators. And, and the humidity uh, level is like like 100% all the time. Yeah, off the charts all the yeah. time. And they picked this world as the perfect world for them? I oh, no. They yeah. picked this world because it was the one they could find when they get dumped out of the warp before all of their ships explode in orbit. Yeah, sort of they, a, we yeah. didn't land on Plymouth Rock. Plymouth rock landed on us sort of thing right (laughs) absolutely but out of all of those details my absolute favorite one uh it mentions the single human edible produce from this planet was a sort of tuber that uh had to be run through a ton of filtering and purification processes to turn it into a paste before it could be consumed the only thing this planet produces that won't immediately kill you is like a death potato Death potato. I mean, potatoes are great. That is metal and grimdark as hell. I absolutely love it. Death potato. So, I mean, it's a good thing they never had their own potato famine. Absolutely. Entire population would have been wiped out. They couldn't eat the fauna? Well, I guess even with all the processing, I guess not. What about the animals, though? Giant arthropods? You tell me you couldn't kill an arthropod and then, like, you know, boil its legs like crabs and then eat those? Well, interesting bit. that uh, really know the calorie content of the arthropods. Yeah. And where are you going to get that big of a cracker? Come on now. You're right. I'm not even thinking practically. I'm sorry, guys. It's unrealistic. But this brings us to our next part, giant arthropods. Uh, the only reason that these initial colonists at this landing site could survive was the Titan Legion that they brought along with them. They only had a few that survived the landing, but the Titans of Legio Zestabiax uh, were vigilant in 
letting them kind of Swiss family Robinson in space, you know, a tree house out of their initial landing vessel. And that's where the Legio originally got their little cognomen, the Iron Vigil, as they stood watch over them, over the colonists of this uh, seemingly doomed Mechanicum Arc fleet while they tried to build defenses against these giant macro predators on a planet that wanted to kill them with absolutely everything, including potatoes. Yeah, just as a, an interesting aside, Jason, for, for those of you who may not know the lore, every Mechanicum exploratory arc fleet that launched during um, Old Night or the Age of Strife, when basically Terra was gripped by, you know, um, the, the unification wars and crazy psi wars, um, the Mechanicum was launching these exploratory fleets. Every uh, exploratory arc fleet that launched had a Titan Legio with it, um, which is really part of, the, really the only reason most of them survived uh, to the uh, the Great Crusades. Is there ever documented a ratio of successful and unsuccessful forge fleets? I don't. I mean, I think most of them were successful in the in the sense that they survived. I think some of them, obviously, like uh, Ryza and uh, some of the bigger Forge Worlds, were, were more successful. Um, <laughs> probably Zalarkad would be the uh, the lesser successful. But um, yeah, I don't. I don't think I. I haven't seen anything will that says like this many were lost and this many survived. Gotcha. Gotcha. But yeah, they were doing it before it was cool. Yeah, they were doing it like 3,000 years when like Terra was like in the grips of crazy, um, what are they called? Like the crypto something psychic warlords, the ones that the, the emperor had to go kill. Anyway, lots of lore, um, lots of backstory. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, man, fucking Mars was launching exploratory fleets. Uh, into the void during old night during the massive warp storms. So these guys were like the uh, the exploratory arcs were going out with like they, there was no hope of return. Man, they were just launching these guys out into the warp storms, going like, "Look, you're going to go out, you're going to survive, and we'll make contact when and if we can." So oh, yeah, uh, they, yeah, they knew. It. I mean, that's the whole idea. I think of uh, arc fleets in general. I mean, yeah. we talk about going to Mars and that kind of stuff. Those people know they're never coming back or anything. Yeah, totally. One-way trip to fuck you, Ville, sometimes. <laughs> but uh, what else we got, Jason? Let's go. Let's keep going, man. This is interesting stuff. You got me hooked. I want to learn more. So, from this giant arc vessel, they essentially use this as a home base. They turn it into their little fortress against, like, the giant, you know, crabs and death potatoes that are just assaulting them day and night. And from this giant, like, arc vessel, they use it, drills, oh, maybe one of those wacky new magna drills they were previewing at the Heresy, uh, to cut down into the bedrock beneath them and start forming these subterranean, uh, almost similar to the arcologies on Cal. Uh, these yeah. subterranean uh, forge veins. And instead of trying to compete with all these wacky giant predators, they just expand underneath like the terrific little mechanical uh, ants they are until um, 
they're actually really successful. It takes them uh, within just a century to become a completely self-sufficient forge world. So, I mean, even up until, well, as far as we know, their existence, do they continue to still have all that stuff above them then? Or do they eventually just, like, industrialize the entire planet? That's a good question. Starting out, they only talk about how uh, they move underground and essentially cover the entire planet under the surface. Yeah, but there are three moons that they want to get to because, like, they're right now they're just like in a in a battle for survival. So, so they build these these uh, subterranean habitats, and uh, it's really interesting. I'll let Jason talk more about it, like the the forge veins and like the different like you know, Adeptus uh, Majos that go out and build these forge veins. But the three moons that orbit the Zhao uh, world, are, like, they're super resource intensive. And so if they can get to these moons, then they can start to, like, build material wealth and they can start to, like, build resources and, and uh, become... Um, really self-sufficient. But uh, right now, you know, like they're just in a battle for survival. Yeah, let's gotcha. talk those moons. So after they become completely self-sufficient, the uh, primary dominus of the world declares the first conjunction. Yeah. Uh, this is the Forge World's movement towards becoming like, you know, fully outfitted, equipped, and ready for business. Like they can defend themselves, not just survive. So they decide to do this, they need to expand onto those nearby moons because they're mineral rich and they need places for their uh, human workers to hang out when they're not being used in their relentless grind. Uh, So as they expand onto these moons, it takes them a couple millennia, but um, at the end of it, each of these forge panes are operational of their own accord. And each of these lunar colonies is turning out tons and tons of resources for their uh, independent forge fane on the planet below. But this is also where the first kind of seeds of descent start creeping in. Some of the forge fanes, they're considering themselves independent. And the problem is even though a lot of these lunar colonies have a ton of resources, they don't have a lot of the... uh, specific things that they're uh, the forge chains are looking for to create some of the advanced technologies that they want to get. They've got a ton of resources, but they're not the, uh, they're not the specific essentials for all that advanced wacky stuff that they really want to build. So this is where the uh, Archmagos Domini decides that they're going to expand onto this next planet, a uh, planet called Nitos. And, this serves a twofold purpose. One, they want these uh, minerals that they've determined uh, on this planet. And two, the populations of these lunar colonies are starting to get a little out of hand. So you got two options as a Mechanicum uh, Domini. You can either expand so your human population can continue breeding because, you know, organics just get out of hand the second you're not looking at them. Or you can release the Vorax and uh, let them kind of cull the human population back down to convenient levels. So clearly the most reasonable option is the Vorax, because then you don't have to spend the money to go colonize another planet, right? Right. You just gas up the Vorax and let them, you know, go out for a weekend. But uh, 
for whatever reason, they decided Nitos was the better option to kind of expand onto that. But they kind of run into a problem here because they pretty much, this is millennia down the road from their initial colonization. They're starting to run out of things they can uh, strip off that initial arc vessel. So they come up with the idea to kind of strip everything useful they can from the uh, lunar transport fleets that they've kind of built up to ferry things back and forth, maybe some initial ships from that first colonization. And they hodgepodge that and a bunch of newly forged stuff from the uh, you know surplus of minerals they've mined from the four different planets there. And they create this giant colony ship to transport about 20,000 or so colonists and uh, the Forge Domini of the biggest Forge Fane to the new planet Nitos, which uh, I think is about six months away there. So the problem here is going back to that super high oxygen content. Uh, again, I am not a theoretical chemist either, but a lot of oxygen, you get a lot of oxidation. So you've got either these dodgy corroded material components from millennia old ships that you've been salvaging or freshly fabricated stuff from these kind of inferior planetary ores they've been collecting. And this causes a problem because three months in you've got 20,000 colonists and your best like forge majos in this ship headed to this awesome new planet and the ship gets struck by a tiny, tiny meteorite. They say it's like no bigger than two centimeters. Uh, I'm not an astrophysicist either, but uh, it sounds pretty bad. Uh, I don't think you'd want a ship to be hit by any size of meteorite. No, I think it, even just like a grain of salt in space can <laughs> like decimate the space station. Right? I mean, if something like that can take out Sandra Bullock's entire team... Uh, <laughs> Not great for scientists. Yeah, that documentary was crazy, man. Like, right? completely. So much. I, I couldn't believe Sandra Bullock. First off, I didn't know she was a NASA. That was news to me. And then to find out that all that happened to her, I mean, that woman can act and survive. I mean, she was great. And just her breathing. Like, never have I heard so realistic breathing inside a helmet sounds. It's amazing stuff. Anywho. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Back to these poor bastards on this colony ship. That tiny meteorite causes a series of chain reactions through the vessel that normally maybe wouldn't have been so bad, but they used all this crappy, inferior, oxidized, you know, dodgy material or this um, really inferior planetary ore, and it just comes apart. Uh, eventually, it causes explosive decompression of the entire vessel, which is not, you know, conducive to human life, getting jettisoned into the void there. Um, I think it's like a 30% fatality rate for that. <laughs> Pretty, it's not good. Sounds about right. Now, this causes a problem at home, too, because it's like this crisis of faith. Like, is the Omnissiah himself punishing our masters? Like, did he really hate this one forge for one some unknown reason? Should we hate this forge for some unknown reason? Uh, and this whole disaster deal is never disclosed to any of the lunar colonies to prevent that crisis of faith for, uh, spreading out. Now, as bad as that is, it does leave me with one really pressing question after I read most of this. Uh, normally, Mechanica Majos are, if he was the primary Majos of a major forge fane, 
he's probably got a lot of time and uh, a lot of robot parts. Chances are he doesn't care that much about hard vacuum as a lot of majos don't. Is there just somewhere in the Zhao system, like this Forge Fane Mechanicus Majos, like floating around, like waiting for somebody to discover him? Oh, I'm sure. I mean, let's ask can they put themselves on suspended animation? I don't see why not. If Space Marines yeah, can do uh, Otherwise, I would imagine he'd gone crazy just by being alone for that long. But I think, theoretically, yes, he probably still is out there. I mean, you think somewhere in like that, you look at any Majos model from Forge World and he's got like dozens of, you know, little mechadendrites and little targeting computers and all sorts of stuff. You think he'd at least have, you know, some sort of app on there. Could play like Castle Crashers or whatever. While yeah, just for the next 10,000 years. Sure. Is there not a Find My Majos application that you can use? Kind of like how Apple has the Find My iPhone. And oh, I mean, yeah, but, I mean, how many people actually install it and use it, though? You know, and even then, you've got to be within Wi-Fi range, and out in the middle of space, there, it's only going to be accurate to within a couple light years. So, yeah, but let's let's be real here, okay? He probably wound up in a decaying orbit of some planet and burnt up in the atmosphere. I don't know if atmospheric reentry would be enough to kill a Majos, though. What? I don't know, dude. I mean, if, a destroyer weapon if, can, so why not an atmosphere of a planet? <laughs> well, it depends on how harsh the atmosphere is, and then also oh, you true. have to think... I mean, there are some planets without atmosphere. You know, maybe he just landed on yeah. a dead rock. Right. And then you also have the fact that, like, not every single part of him is human anymore. So, like, Most yeah, of some, of, some of his major organs are, but... I'm pretty sure there's going to be a, a go-go gadget parachute somewhere in that Magos. There's got to be, dude. <laughs> so, is there out there somewhere just on an asteroid a single Magos, like, slowly piecing himself back together? Like, building his own tiny independent forge fane that nobody knows about? Well, Those- until Forge World tells us that there isn't, there is. Absolutely. Those are the questions that keep me up at night as a mechanical player. Tom well, Hanks, Magos. Yeah, exactly. Tom Hanks, Magos, lost. Um, Castaway. He has a servitor named Wilson. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you very much, Jason. Uh, we'll do part two of this and pick this up next week. Absolutely. It's what I'm um, here for. God, th- that kind of stuff is what gets... Like, that stuff you don't hear about in the... Um, the black library novels, you know, like the world building, those dumb, crazy stories of how a Magos is floating out there in space somehow, you know, good stuff. I like that. Absolutely. These black books, I know the very first reaction you get when you get a new black book is to flip through and see what crazy new rules you have. But the history and lore in these things is so super dense with so many details put into it. I feel like it's kind of like when you're playing, um, you remember Morrowind? How there were just dozens of books all over the place that nobody ever read? So well, yeah, I mean, even in Skyrim, I mean, it's the same thing. There's there's like notepads and books and everywhere. And if you read them, there's like some good information in them. Yeah, and some poor developer spent like hours of his life like writing those books and histories and plays like a lusty argonian maid is the only one anybody God, ever read yeah well i mean that's good smut that's why yeah that's good stuff 
But I feel like the black books deserve the same sort of in-depth appreciation as A Lusty Argonian Maid, Volume 8. I 100% agree. That's why we have this segment, man. Very good. Um, David, do you have anything else to add about this? No, man. Looking forward to next. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and guys, these segments are not going to be just a one and two part. They're going to go until we've exhausted content and there's nothing left to talk about for this. Because we, we will enjoy going through this fluff and going and doing these deep dives and talking about all the theoretical nonsense of there being a Magos out there somewhere. You know, we just love it. So we hope you do too. And uh, we're going to take a break real quick and then we'll come back with plugs. All right, guys, we're uh, back with plugs, and uh, let's go ahead and do this. David, you got anything you want to plug? Yeah, man, I just wanted to say if you guys are enjoying what we do, if you're listening and you want to contribute, please uh, please shoot us a link at uh, RememberedSirsRetreat, what is it, dot com? At Gmail. No. 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 Fuck. You messed that up bad. God, man. You got to write that down. Put it on a sticky note next to your monitor. Pat, help me out. So if you're liking what we're doing, um, the email is remembrancersretreat at gmail.com. And then, uh, Will, what's the uh, email for the uh, website if they want to contribute as far as uh, articles? Uh, well, they can do remembrancersretreat.com. Or, uh, God damn it, David. God damn it. <laughs> I imagine it's rva30k. It is a rva30k at gmail.com, or you can send it to the podcast email. Um, Pat and I manage uh, both of those, so you'll get them. We'll we'll get them, and we'll get your content where it needs to be. You can also send it to my P.O. box, and we'll go from there. Yeah, I mean, it might take a while to get your content put up, but uh, P.O. boxes are fine, too. Robbie, what's what's your P.O. box, Robbie? (laughs) Oh, gosh. Well, you don't want to pursue this this, this joke? Uh, it's four. It's P.O. Box number four. <laughs> That's impressive. You got the fourth P.O. Box ever made in American history. That's, that's good. We're um, on iTunes. We're on SoundCloud. We yeah. are thinking about doing some kind of Patreon, maybe down the road. Possibly, yeah. yeah this this SoundCloud stuff. Um, yeah. I didn't know it was going to cost money. I thought it was free forever. Can only wish, right? I know, right? Um, But yeah, iTunes, SoundCloud, um, Instagram, hashtag Remembrances Retreat, uh, and then Facebook, Remembrances Retreat. We got plenty of places to be. Jason, you got anything you want to plug? Uh, I don't think so. Coke Zero? I'm a big fan. Yeah, Coke, if you're listening to this, we'd love a sponsor. Absolutely, man. I do commission work for Coke Zero. I will happily paint whatever you want for a Coke Zero of no less than 20 ounces. Whoa, wow. That's a pretty damn good deal. Whoa. I mean, your Thousand Suns kind of look like Coke Zero if you think about it. Yeah, if you squint kind of hard, this magic robot looks exactly like a 20-ounce Coke Zero. But no, I mean, like the colors? Yeah, the sure. colors are perfect. They're directly... 
Oh god, I actually never thought about that before. Yeah, you got Coke Zero K Sons. Now he's gonna have to sell them. <laughs> Pat, what do you got to plug? You got anything? Um, not a whole lot. Just Facebook. Uh, like us on Facebook and follow. We post episodes up. Um, we post content up from us. You know what we've been working on. Um, hit us up if you like what we're doing. If you don't like what we're doing, shoot us a message. Tell us what we need to improve. Robbie, you got anything? No, man, I'm good. I, I, I oh, did all my hey, plugging on, sorry. already. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, I I, for, I forgot to hit the talk button. No, um, you know, if anybody's interested in cosplay accessories, foam weapons, painted functioning Nerf guns, uh, go ahead and hit me up, uh, Chris Invicta LLC. Uh, check it out if it's something that you're interested. In. Uh, I'll do some 3D printing here pretty soon. And if you want to get a last pistol, we'll get you a chain sword. Some stuff is going to be going in the work. So go ahead and hit me up. Chris Invicta, C-H-R-I-S-I-N-V-I-C-T-A. Hit me up on Facebook, and uh, we'll, get you, we'll get your commission going. That's awesome. Yeah, very cool. Uh, well, I think everybody plugged the uh, cast enough. Um, if you want to follow me, you can check me out at uh, Instagram at Lancaster Painting or uh, Facebook at uh, Lancaster Painting. And, um, yeah, what else? Uh, event. I got an event coming up in February, March 10th. No, it's been March 3rd. We moved it to March 3rd because they already had an event at Battlegrounds March 10th. Um, so for this event, this is going to be a 1,500-point sort of a tournament. Not really. It's going to be casual. You'll find your opponent, agree with a buddy, hey, this is what I want to do, this is the kind of game I want to do, and uh, just have fun. Um, but something big I want to start putting seeds out there is we're going to be doing, uh, for D4-3, custom units are in the works. People have been asking me. Um, but also, starting today, I'm going to put this out there now, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and put a post on Facebook, but we're going to allow custom characters in the sense that I still got to kind of refine it a little bit, the idea of it, but you'll take an existing character if you want um, from the lore, and then you will create your own character based off of that. Um, and it won't be just like, here's a Praetor, and you can call him, you know, fucking whatever. Uh, somebody give me an example of a, of a character who doesn't, ha- who's not out yet. Ron. Andrew Ron. <clears throat> I'm sorry, who? The uh, dude that uh, Dorn gets all his uh, Templar bodyguard from. Yeah. Oh. Okay, right. So, what's his name? Ron? R-O-N? That's cool. <laughs> Ronald. <laughs> Ronald, yeah. Uh, so you can create a character called Ronald, and then you're just going to create this character from scratch, however you want. You can give him any special rules, give him the stats you want. And then they'll come through me and some other people. We'll all review them. We'll sit down. We'll find out, all right, well, this guy, he put way too many weapon skill points on, or he's got you know way too high of an invul save, and why the fuck can he kill everything on a 3-plus and nobody can get any saves from it? You know, things like that, right? So start tinkering. Start thinking up stuff. Start sending me some stuff that you want to see uh, for your custom character. And this is all going to be player-driven. So write up something, and let's see what you guys got. I would love to see some stuff. But 
key points is that it has to be 100% accurate to the fluff. So war gear, um, like attitude, the way they play, all that stuff has to be 100% to the fluff. And then you'll have to link me the source of the fluff that you're getting this stuff from so I can review it and make sure that you're being true about this, this stuff, you know. So I think it'll be a lot of fun. So, like, for instance, if I wanted to do uh, Horus Axma, like, it'd be Cataphracty armor and, like, a power sword or something like that, right? Little Horus wasn't Cataphracty? I believe he was, at least uh, for Istvan. I thought he was in power armor. We gotta put this up on the augment. Oh, Pat, you're, like, you're missing out on a much bigger opportunity. What about the... Uh, Tor- Torgadon, you know what I'm saying? Oh like, yeah, like the Galvorbach of the Sons of Horus. Like, oh, that's, that's the Rakai. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm getting at. Is stuff like that that you don't see rules for yet. That's what I want to see. Yeah, this definitely has to go up on the blog. And guys, if you're listening and you already have rules out there, you are just one of those guys that likes to create rules based on fluff. Please send us your submissions, and uh, we will certainly incorporate that. All right. Well, I think that's all I have. Um, so this has been Remembrance's Retreat. Uh, bye. <laughs> Good night. God damn it. We still got to work on that ending. All right. Have, have a, a good, good weekend, one. everyone. See you.